Okay, I, I guess I got to do this for disclaimer purposes, but all right, here we go. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet, I suggest you download this episode, bookmark it, and go watch the movie. And then once it's done, play this episode right after. I'm not demanding that you do it in this order. It's more of a suggestion that I expect for you to follow. I, I just don't want to spoil anything for you, nor my guess. So if you play this before you watch it, it's your fault. All right, okay, okay. So I, I put out my disclaimer. I've, I've fulfilled my duties and responsibilities as a podcast creator. My soul is clear and clean. And we can start the show now. Spoiler alert over. Today on the Av Podcast, uh, with the lack of movies being released during this COVID era, when you come across a great one, especially one regarding this subject matter, it just feels right to explore it. Um, at, at least to me. Um, and when you come across something like this particular movie with the type of actors in it, you almost feel crazy not to discuss it. So I'm joined today by Andrew Mambo, reporter and producer of National Public Radio, NPR, as well as DJ and producer DJ Keo, as we have a conversation about the Shaka King directed, critically acclaimed movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. We break down the impact on Fred Hampton's charismatic leadership, the role of William O'Neill and his affliction with being a secret agent for the Black Panther Party, how Lakeith Stansfield and Daniel Kaluja, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, <laughs> um, added quality and grace to their roles. And we also break down the need to have more of these movies from the black community, especially since the lack of representation is having its effect on Hollywood, believe it or not. And you'll understand what I mean when we dive into this topic uh, later into this episode. I hope you enjoy. South Shabbat is available wherever you listen to your podcast. Go ahead and continue to rate, review, and subscribe. It costs you nothing but about 13 seconds of your time, max. Uh, hit the like button, the favorite button, and click on every star that's available. It's, it's five, just in case you, you don't feel like counting. And head over to SouthShareAve.com to check out my catalog of all my podcast shows. Once again, that's SouthShareAve.com. It's the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Shirav Radio. Any word as people, there's power. Welcome to the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Shirav Radio. Welcome to the Av Podcast. Uh, my first guest is the DJ producer. Uh, he's been on my podcast in the past. The last time he was on it was for the uh, 25th anniversary of the Fuji's classic album, The Score. And you can check him out on his YouTube channel under his name. So please welcome DJ Keo to the show. How you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for bringing me back. Yes, sir. Good as always. Here. No problem. No problem. Uh, my next guest has been on my podcast in the past, but it's been a while since he swung on the Ave. But um, the last time he was on, <laughs> he was he was one of the podcast producers for ESPN's 30 for 30 podcast. But now he's got a new cape on and he's now a sorry, a, a producer and reporter for the renowned NPR, which is the national public radio. And as a hobby, he also gets a high letting me destroy his fantasy football team every time like a consistent. Ooh. Like, it's like Ooh. Christmas or New no, Year's no, no. or Easter, no, no, no. that kind of thing, that kind of thing. Just ignore what he's saying right now. Just, 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 just ignore what he's saying right now. Uh, please welcome back Andrew Bombo to the show. How are you doing today, sir? Why do I keep doing this? 
<laughs> Nothing but lies. Uh, how you doing today, sir? Again, I'm, I'm, thank I'm, you for thank you for having me, Calvin. Oh, thank I really you. You're welcome. That. What a, what an amazing what an amazing intro. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. That makes me feel great. Thank you. I, I know that I know it was heartfelt. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, so we're here today to have the conversation about the latest great movie. Um, coming to America, which was as riveting as anything that I've seen this century. I'm completely blown away. You know, just it, it just blows the original out in every way possible. Okay, I I, I, I can't even keep up with the lattice. Let's, let's try this. Let's try this again. Let's try this. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like I was. I, this is reminiscent of that time I was on the show when we were talking about. We were supposed to talk about boomerang, and, we were, and I was. I thought we were talking about coming to America. Is that it, or was it the opposite? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Where are we supposed to come? In? Are we actually talking about coming to America too today? Because like, I, I definitely have. I definitely was expecting a different movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so was I. Let's let's not even pretend that that movie happened. Let's just try to pretend that it didn't exist. That's a travesty, man. Oh, good lord. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even want to talk about it because it just it just gets me angry. I mean, but but hold on. Okay, hold on. Okay, in 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 a. In a light defense of coming to America too, or whatever the, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very in a very faint light defense of that movie, um, what could you possibly have expected? The first movie is preposterously ridiculous in its premise and the way it portrays Africans. It's super fucking dumb and offensive. How the hell was the sequel supposed to be remotely better? <laughs> I mean, that's like, a good point. The fact that like people are panning it, but like if you actually watch the, the the original without like having the nostalgia of your childhood attached to it, it is a terrible movie. <laughs> but it's a classic. This one's though, worse, bro. though. This one's definitely worse. No, well, well, I mean, I, yeah, I, like I, I didn't even think we were gonna really even share an opinion on this. But the one, the one thing I'll say is, I did not have high expectations of that movie. I really didn't. But my, my God, man, my God, man, I, I my God, and that's that's all I can get out of my mouth right now. I can't even, I can't even <laughs> formulate the sentence to even get to, to describe just my real feelings about this movie without without actually passing out in anger. Um, but it was, it, it was, bad. It, it, bad. it was it's really bad. Wow. Like it is, it is very bad. Wow. Wow. It's very bad. Wow. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wanna, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I invited you guys here to have a, a, a real conversation about Judas and the black Messiah. <laughs> um, uh, the new movie about Fred Hampton, the leader of the Chicago chapter of the black Panther party, uh, and William right. O'Neill, the FBI agent for hire that infiltrated said party and, and helped to get Hampton assassinated. Um, this movie was directed by Shaka King and produced by Charles D. King, uh, Ryan Coogler, and, and Shaka King. It's, it's gotten rave reviews right now. It's like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, if you, if you value that. And it's, it's already been nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Um, so just to begin, I just want to focus on uh, the two main actors. How how good are Lakeith and Daniel in this movie? Like how, they did a phenomenal job, honestly. I think yeah. they're they're both strong actors, and you can kind of see their range. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you don't know anything about the story and you just saw this movie, like it, it's believable. Like you feel the the stress and the pressure that they're under from both of them. Mm -hmm. 
and, and you know from different perspectives like you kind of you can you can feel the pressure that they're under for you know what's happening around them and you know the the kind of stuff that they're they're forced to deal with i it, it's a really good job like, hey, somebody deserves to win an award for it i'll, I'll give it up to like that for sure yeah what about you mambo uh, I mean, yeah, the acting is absolutely phenomenal. And, um, I mean, yeah, you're definitely right with the uh, winning of an award. And speaking of the awards, what is going on with the categorization of them both being placed in the, uh, the both being placed in the um, supporting actor oh, category? No. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. You not, you not, have you not, you didn't see this? I didn't see that, no. no. Oh, wow. Oh, no, they were both, they were both, so apparently, and wow. I think um, Warner Brothers came out and actually said that they did not submit them both as um, supporting actors. But I guess the Academy and the way that it works is, I guess, enough people, submit, like, who I don't know how exactly it happened, but apparently the explanation I, the explanation I saw was that people can write in categories or make a push for something or change where they want somebody to be placed. Mm -hmm. And essentially, uh, I think, you know, the ask was to have, I suppose, I don't know what they actually, um, if it was Lakeith or Daniel, I guess it's Daniel was in, in uh, actor and Lakeith in supporting. Right. And people, enough people in the, the members of the Academy voted to have Daniel in supporting or nominating him in supporting instead of being, lead actor that's very strange that's unbelievable that is, the academy is run by buffoons i'd say it like <laughs> they're they've been trashed for decades we've always been complaining about the oscars and just how they pick categories and who's running in who's because they they've changed the system multiple times they've added more minorities and they've done all this stuff to kind of make it better and it's still trash this is the oversight of <laughs> like how do you have the lead actor and his, his co-star in the same category for for an Oscar. And it's not like this is a year packed with movies. This is the year where there's even less movies than normally because nothing came out. Yep. Yeah. And, and how do you have this problem still? I, that blows my mind. Every time I'm thinking, like, ah, oh, no, the Oscars can't fail this hard. Like, no, they can't. They'll find a way. <laughs> like like that saying goes, anytime you, um, anytime you think you can't get any lower, you take me to the curb. Right, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's crazy to hear. Like, and it's not so like like hearing the story. Like, it doesn't even surprise me. You just you just kind of shake your head because it's just like mm -hmm. th these things happen so often. Like, I mean, just a few years ago, you know, you had the whole Oscar so white thing, and 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 it's like five years later, and they're still making these kind of mistakes. Like, I, mm -hmm. it does it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, yeah. But but with these guys, like you know, what, especially with Lakeith, like there's a reason why he's, he's like a critically acclaimed acclaimed actor right now or a star even because, mm -hmm. like, and you could I guess you can kind of speak to this for both of them, but their work is so diverse and trusted, you know. And you're looking at somebody like Lakeith from ATL all the way to like the photograph flash in the movie shot with Issa Rae, but it's like as soon as I saw his face, like I trusted the movie as soon as I saw the role he was kind of playing. You know, and yeah. and I think with him, just how the movie starts off with him impersonating the FBI agent to come and steal the car, and you know, but then he gets arrested right away. Like it, it kind of kicks off the movie in a way that most movies that are like based on the true story aren't normally done. It just it just kind of hits you right away 
with like I mean it's it's kind of you know there's there's some action but there's some like real level acting like you can kind of feel like the all his emotions in that just just in those first opening minutes you know what yeah. I mean and and, the, and I, I like I really appreciated that from the beginning like right away like it kind of grabbed my attention just from that just from those like opening couple of minutes you know yeah no and it I mean Lakeith Stanfield a phenomenal actor and I think um taking on that role was is interesting I think he's a brilliant person to be in that role because it's a super complex character right He's, he's very, very conflicted, and, and the whole goal is to have the audience feel very conflicted about him. Right. Um, and so he kind of transcends that. It's fascinating. I mean, it was fascinating to watch the way he portrayed Bill O'Neill, and it was it was really enjoyable to watch because he really, like, embodied the character, and he embodied the, like, conflict that was within him. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of weird because, you know, he's, He's technically the bad guy in the movie, but you're still kind of like, I hope he makes it, he's okay. Like, <laughs> why you, you shouldn't feel that way about him, but you're like, dude, I, I hope he's getting up to this thing. Why should cops bother him like that? But he's the bad guy in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but you feel sympathy for him because yeah, of the way that he becomes the bad guy, right? Like, it's like the way that he comes into it is, mm-hmm. is the way that you can feel um, a sense of sympathy and you are watching and while you're watching I thought it was interesting is there are moments when you're just like wait is he in or is he out like is he a double agent is he not you know like yeah, yeah. it kind of it was I, I really I thoroughly enjoyed I think you know obviously and we'll get into like you know Daniel's Daniel's portrayal of Fred Hampton but um, Lakeith Stanfield's portrayal of Bill O'Neill was was phenomenal and, and had you kind of like moving all the over the place in terms of the emotions and what you feel for him. You know, a lot of characters in the film are all very straightforward, but his was the one that, you know, you kind of twisted and turned around throughout. Yeah. It's a long way from ATL. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's funny but, though, because like you're, you know, I think the way you know, especially the era that we come from, you're you're not you're not designed to love the the quote unquote snitch, right, or the quote unquote rap. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that's that's what the uh, like the perfect marriage between great script writing, great directing, and then great acting, because you really felt for him. You know what I mean? At at that point in time, like normally some of these movies, you're just like, oh, I can't stand this guy. You know what I mean? Like you just, you choose a side immediately. You know what I mean? And then it's like, mm-hmm. but like you guys are yeah. right. Like halfway, not even halfway through, like pretty much from what he was doing. You're like, man, ah, oh, this guy, man, like, you know, like this is what I didn't know the full depths of William O'Neill, to be honest, to be quite honest with it. And mm-hmm. like seeing that from the beginning, you're just like, oh man, like, geez, but you know, knowing how you know fred hampton dies like you're just like man this is gonna be messed up but like the way he played it it was so riveting it's like you had love for the quote-unquote snitch yeah you know for the informant yeah but it's like that's not and and also like there are moments when you like i feel that you know you're like is he setting them up or is he down for the cause in moments like is he changing his tune um like there's stuff that he didn't want to yeah, there are things that he didn't want to cross, like you know, uh, without giving anything about away about the movie. Like there's there's moments mm-hmm. where he was like, I I, I don't mind do this. Like there's it's like too far. It's it's fascinating. It's really fascinating, and it's hard it's hard it's, to be like, well, what I would do in his situation or whatever. Like it's it's a different time, and people mm-hmm. handle pressure differently. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that people, you can relate to what he was going through throughout the movies because, you know, it's just, it's a different situation where today these people you can complain to about it or whatever. You can, you can call your lawyer. There was no lawyers to call back then. Yeah. That was it. They got you on something. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your end. Your life's over. Mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of leads me to the, to the question. I'm, how, how major was that pressure on Bill to do what he did? Like that to be insane. They, for you in the, in that time frame to go to a state pen, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that the, the local jail or whatever was bad, but the state pen, that's a whole different beast. And I think yeah. that it was, it was a no brainer for him to be like, well, I, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. I mean, he was, uh, you know, I think the one thing that gets lost in this and that I, you know, is that um, you know, Bill and Neil, this, this is all happening to him, he's only 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were like, kids when this thing happened. Think, yeah, they're all kids. I mean, you know, Fred Hampton was, what, 21? 21, was he yeah, got when yeah. he was killed? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're all, they're so young. And I can imagine, and, and 19, when I was 19, like, what? Somebody could jam you up and... We were just trying know, to go to soccer the, parties. The, F, the FBI? <laughs> I mean, the FBI of all people. yeah. The amount of pressure that you're feeling in that time, and you know, and the physical abuse that most likely would have been coming his way, mm-hmm. um, or worse, to pressure yeah. him. I mean, yeah, I mean, the threats on your life that might that might have you know come along with that, and so yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy because like obviously you know like he's he essentially helps to bring down the movement, but I think what's insane to me is you know at the end of the movie. Um, you know, when he kills himself right after the Eyes on the Prize documentary airs on PBS, like the day after, mm-hmm. right? So like, that, yeah, you just yeah walked out, did he? Right. So that so like that guilt never really left him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. to me, like thinking like just putting myself in that in his shoes for a moment, it's like to me, it's, it's sad because like just seeing what was happening to the black community, you know, especially during that time, to basically put himself in that position to help destroy the mm-hmm. movement. You know, so it's like by yeah. stealing cars and getting caught, like his life forever changed. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? As as a, as, mm-hmm. as as a teenager, essentially, as a very young man, not even a full adult yet. And like, it's it's weird. Like, I I wonder, like, watching the movie, like, would it have been better for his psyche just just to just go to jail instead? Because I feel like being free on the other end of it and and being a part of destroying somebody who was essentially trying to empower the the movement and, and the community. You know, through the mm-hmm. Black Panthers and what they were doing with free lunches and trying to educate and that those type of things, like it, mm-hmm. I feel like it was out, it was almost worse than anything to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, you know. So it just, yeah, because he he went from just boosting cars into being in gun shootouts. <laughs> That's a huge acceleration for <laughs> for crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it just to me, it's like I I just look at that. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking like the pressure that. That's just on him on as well. Like it's got to be so immense because, you know, mm-hmm. just to touch on what you're saying before, like just the fact that the FBI took you in, and especially back in them days when the FBI takes you in and, and J. Edgar Hoover's involved, like yeah. just just going to jail isn't enough for a black man. That that can that can literally mean the end of your life. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Like that. you kind of got that impression of what jail was like for people. They had when um, but Fred went to jail, and that dude was when he was eating food at the at the the table, the lunch table, and that dude was all carved up. What did they carve into his chest? I couldn't I couldn't make that out. 
I couldn't tell either. It, I mean, either. Okay, so it wasn't just me then. I was like, maybe my eyesight's going, but I, I could. I was trying to make <laughs> no, it. no. I, you know, I probably should have. I just thought, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. I just wanted that scene to be over kind of thing because it, it, it was graphic, man. Very but much so. I think that it, that that was just to give you the impression of what jail is really like and what these guys could do to you with no repercussions, like just to give you that impression. Because, you know, people think, like today, jail can either be like a walk in the park where you're reading books in the library or, you know, <laughs> You got to deal with the booty monster or whatever. Like, what's that dude from, like, it's just that, it's that craziness. Like, that's the options you got here. Right. But, like, it depends on what jail you go to and the, the situation, whatever. But all jail was bad back then. Yeah. All of them was mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like, you do not want to go like to jail. Like, Calvin's point is, uh, earlier is, like, I don't even know if it was a jail question, right? Like, was he even going to make it to jail? Oh, yeah. If he didn't. If he didn't go along with, you know, yeah, um, can you think of which the is late, a question, the, which the is the thing you ask yourself. And then like, in, in, when you're 19 years old and you're like, do you have the conviction, the, um, the strength at that age to stand up and, you know, I don't know. Okay. I just, I, it's like you, a lot of sympathy for, um, for the character. You got to think about how bad it was to deal with the police that these guys aren't, formed the gang with like AK forty sevens and stuff like that. Just to push back on mm. it. Like how bad were the police back then? I know. Like just for, for perspective. I know. Like that's 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 the scary part, right? Like the fact mm-hmm. that they had to get that radical, you know, in, in some sense to basically I mean to really and truly to kind of protect themselves. Yeah. You know, like and the thing is like it wasn't like uh oh I can't believe you guys are doing this. Why are you guys in our neighborhood? Everyone's like, Yeah, I mean I get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's detractors back then, but generally people were like, yeah, I mean, I understand why they're here. I don't blame them. But that's the thing, too. Like, there's a quote that he, you know, that he says um, where he's he's talking about, you know, the badge is scarier than the gun. You know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of, you know, him robbing guys like with a gun wasn't as lethal as using a badge. Like, the, yeah. the thought of that, mm-hmm. like, just mm-hmm. is really scary, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Power. Really, really and truly, like, and, and like I said to me again, like the fact that, the fact that, like again, like he he wrestles with that mindset, you know, all the way till he died, because like you know, th- at the end of the movie where he's talking about like, oh, I'm reading different quotes and stuff, like offline kind of mm-hmm. prepping for this, but you know, he's still saying like he was part of the struggle, even though he also played a part in tearing it down. So it's like after all these years, like he still didn't quite figure that out. Mm-hmm. You know, so but it, but it's it's scary to think like at that time, you know, standing up on your own with no lawyers, no you know team behind you, you're 19 years old, you know, 20 years old, and you're in the late 60s, mm-hmm. early 70s, where you know that shit was really real. You know, like mm-hmm. that was literally life or death. You know, when you put yourself on the line like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so that's like, and in, in, in terms of his position, like, yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us will go and say like we we envy that. But obviously, we don't. But like, I, I just think it's just really like the like <laughs> we all, we're at this stage in life where we're always talking about like the mental health aspects of you know mm-hmm. of, of of life and what everybody's going through. Can you can you imagine the mental health of somebody like him at that point? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to even deal with something like that. And as, you know, as well as like a lot of people dealing with that during that period in time in the United yeah, States, yeah. like, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's that's a real internal struggle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, no, it's unimaginable. So, uh, well, my next question is, um, what made Hampton, Fred Hampton, so powerful to you guys? Like just from watching this movie, I think that he he had a way of reading people and kind of uh, you know, like leaders in general. Like you have to be able to to relate to people and people to see you in themselves and kind of like that. He had that. That's something that you can't teach. Yeah. And it, it makes you uh, like somebody that you would like to follow. Like you, they, people could see when he's talking, they're like, Oh, okay. Well, this guy's making sense. Whether or not you agree with everything that he was saying or doing, you could kind of, he had that thing. Like, I know it's very few people. I, I equate it to like Obama when he when he came on the scene, people were like, "Okay, that guy, I I can see that guy leading." Fred Hampton had that, the way he was talking, and you know, like for the movie, they had it, uh, you know, with the future wife. She kind of she tells him like, "Okay, you're going too hard. Ease it back, but just say something like this and make it more relatable." And I like, just think just it grew even bigger because yeah. he had that thing. Very few people are able to stand a crowd and get people to be on your side, no matter what you're saying. And he, he was saying some wild stuff. Let's be real here. Yeah. Like the thing about, yeah. he's talking about the pigs and all that stuff. And he, they're, they're basically advocating for communism. And everybody's like, yes, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I think that, that, that he had that leadership thing that regular people don't have. And it's a thing that's lacking in the black community right now. There's no, like who's talking like that right now about anything? I didn't. I don't know who to point to and be like, "Yo, that guy, he's he's seeing stuff." Like we need to get behind him. There's very few people. I I honestly can't think of anybody on that level. I mean, charismatic leaders are hard to. Yeah, hard to it's like a one, it's like a once in a generation type thing that you get people. Yeah. Like and to have and to have that much power, that much influence, that much charisma, um, and power. At, you know, like at 21 years old, I mean, that's, that's absolutely, it, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. You know, and the fact that he was able to organize people and, and motivate people and motivate across, you know, these like, um, these invisible barriers. Yeah. Right? Like that's the thing that really scared people was his ability to, you know, the rainbow coalition of, of, of different groups and bringing them together. I mean, that's what really terrified people. Um, people that didn't need him either. <laughs> they yeah. all their groups are all solidified in their own right, and they still got together with what he was doing. That's the crazy part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you think you think the 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 KKKs uh, led white groups, the Hispanics, some of the black gangs out there. They're all like mobilizing to become kind of one, and it's mm-hmm. it's that's always a thing, especially back you know back in those days when you know our our leaders are getting picked off. This was always the uh, the thing that they're always fearful of, right? Of of uniting more than just themselves, mm-hmm. you know. So like yeah. like that to me is always like, <laughs> and it kind of makes you wonder. It's like what what is it that like you know? I feel like it's almost a rhetorical question, but like it's you're kind of like what what makes them? Why historically are they always threatened by us with that? You know what I mean? Where it's like you know you look at history and it's like there's so much wrong that's being done. You know, this group is coming and it's like, no, 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 no. We can't let this happen. 
So like looking at him, it's kind of like, yo, like how he united people to, to together at such a young age. You know, it's to me, I thought that was very influential. And, and I didn't even realize like that's like it was to that degree where he was, you know, uniting different different groups and different communities in, in the city of Chicago. Like that to me was it's crazy, you know, because like to me, yeah. when you, oh, yeah. you know, when like yeah. when like when you're fighting for your rights, you know what I mean? Like, during those times and to be treated accordingly, especially back in those days, like it didn't seem like I don't know, it, it didn't seem like it just didn't seem like dying for what you believed in. Like it, it wasn't like it, it, it makes it seem like it wasn't like something to be afraid of, which in itself is kind of crazy. It's crazy. It's courageous, but it's, yeah. you know, it's powerful, but it's also scary. No matter the age, it's a tremendous well, sacrifice. You know, the, the thing that unifies all of these groups is poverty and people abusing the system in power. Like it yeah. doesn't matter how the poor white trash guy can agree with the, the dude from the hood. That you know, there's there's a power at play that's keeping affecting how everyone's life is going. I think everybody can agree with that. No matter you know how racist you are, you can be like, well, yeah, we got the same issue. We got the same people doing it to us. There's no question. I think that their unifying thing in the movie was the police. But you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, like they still all had the same problem, and they all can relate to each other. And I think that's that's one of the things about the driving force of the movie is how people relate to each other and in ways that they, I didn't think they thought possible. Yeah. Like, like there was a built in connection point that was just there. You know what I mean? Like, I guess people weren't realizing that there was something that was constantly unifying them in, in that aspect. And yeah. 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 And when you realize you're like, I'm not your, and I'm not the one keeping you in your position. I'm not, I'm not the one holding you down. Yeah, we need exactly. to like come together and look at the, you know, and look at the person who, you know, look at the structure that is actually holding us us down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that terrifies. And that's like, and t- anytime you try to access that power, yeah, you will get you will get some swift retribution. Um, yeah, and and especially I'm saying especially back then because you know I, I'm kind of of that belief where that kind of still happens in terms of that, but. But especially oh, back yeah. then, it's man, yeah. like that that sacrifice is it's a it's a real thing. But I get it, you know what I mean? Because you're just you're literally like just to fight for civil rights, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the the type of abuse that our people yeah. were getting put through, you know. And and for them, it's it's like you you know. And I guess I'll touch on this point a little bit later. But like, just take that stance in in the, in the face of everything that's happened prior to that. That's what like it really mm-hmm. makes it like courageous, you know, and to yeah, be so they're young, not that they're not that far removed from Malcolm X and Martin being killed. Like that's really close to each other, and this movie happens. Yeah. It's very close. It's very fresh. No, absolutely. And absolutely. those are not the only people that died. Like that's the, I think that's the most high profile people remember. But they were knocking people all over the place. Oh my god. <laughs> It was, um, yeah. I don't even know if you could put a list on that. Like, it's that. That's, yeah. that's probably another podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go there, but just saying, <laughs> yeah. like, it, the the block was hot. All right, let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and and they knew it though. I mean, they knew it as they organized. That's how that that's how strong their convictions and their beliefs were, and and how they knew what they were doing was right, and it needed to be done, and somebody needed to do it. I mean, they, you know, mm-hmm. these. And it's phenomenal when you see how young 
have that conviction and that knowledge and put your life on the line at that age. That's, yeah. Yeah. The thing, though, you're incredible. getting to something that is to take up arms and be like, we're going to tear down the system. Like, that's a huge uh, life choice. Yeah. Let's put it like that. That's a major life mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a minor mm-hmm. thing of, well, I'm going to take a knitting or I'm going to try basketball in the later on the evening time. Like, that's a major life choice you yeah. chose. If I don't make the team, mm-hmm. ah, it's okay. I'll check another sport. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's not quite yeah, like that. It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, this, that's a huge deal that these guys are like, yo, I'm going to put my life on the line right now for this cause. And if we got to shoot at cops, so, so be it. Like, that, that, you got to think about it from the perspective compared to, like, people today. Like, how many people really put their life on the line for a cause like that today? Yeah. Not a lot. There's the fake people, but, you know, they're doing it for Instagram clicks and that kind of stuff. They're not really going to do it. Yeah, and it's easier wow. to do it from your thumb than than opposed to walking the streets and 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 fighting mm-hmm. that systematic oppression and that kind of stuff, right? Like it's absolutely yeah, it's it it is a major life decision. It it is a it's a good way of putting it. It's a life. It's a it's a definite <laughs> life choice that you kind of have to make. Right? Like it, there's there's no humming and hawing on that really and truly. Like uh. it's not like oh we don't take some time, Mambo and. Uh, <laughs> Just take some time and think it over. Come back to me next month and see how you feel, you know? You can't go back. You can't walk that back. You were shooting an AK-47 out of a building at police. You're not going back from there. That's your job now. <laughs> That's it. That's all you're going to be known for. Yeah. It's like that. If, you, if you talk to them, they, they tell you it's not a choice. It's a calling, right? Like you, yeah. You feel that you are you don't really have a choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've been chosen. You feel that you feel the passion like you have to do with you. Um, mm-hmm. you have to do it. And, and especially back then and knowing how dangerous it was back then, it is different now. And, and there's so many different ways to be active now and you can be socially active all online and it still has power, right? Like you can be socially active on Twitter and, mm-hmm. and that's powerful, you know, mm-hmm. like we joke about it, you know, like, but it still has power and still can get things done and make and actually affect change. Um, in a way that you you know that just did not exist right back then. You literally had to physically put your life on the line. You yeah. physically had to go and and march and and you know whether you were just worried about getting beaten up or whether you were worried about getting killed. Like that was you. That was what you had to do. Yeah, you put skin. You put physical skin in the game. You weren't you know you weren't worried about oh this bad tweet that says I support some kind of thing is going to get me fired from a job. Like. You put skin in the game being part of any of this huh? stuff back in the day. Like, it was the legit skin in the game. Yeah. And, it, you know, affected yeah. your family, affected everybody. Like, you, <laughs> that's, what, that's the thing. I think that's why they took it so serious, because it wasn't a joke. You couldn't kind of halfway do it. You were in or you weren't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, to, yeah. and to kind of touch on what Mambo was saying, like, to touch on what Andrew was saying, is, is like, and I, I get what you're saying too with the social media aspect of it now, because you know, a, a couple of clever or or you know like carefully carefully uh, constructed hashtags, for, for example, or movements could start a movement. I should mm-hmm. say, you know, and and that and we've yeah. seen it, we've seen it, right? Like we've we've actually you know been in this era where we've actually seen that, you know, where it's like all of a sudden it's like it could bring down a corporation. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can, it can bring down an entire genre sometimes. You know what I mean? And or you're just like, what just happened? Like a whole company would just fold because of, you know, like 
um, some hashtags that deal with racism or, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or brutality or, you know what I mean? Or, or prejudice to, you know, just whatever. Like you just, there's so much different things that were, that come along with it too. But, but like yeah. back in this day, back in these days, that, that was like, you know, obviously <laughs> technology were was, excuse me, technology were, it wasn't where, where it is obviously now, but like that really was a, a, a firm decision you had to make. You know, yeah. and, and and sometimes yeah. you didn't you didn't have yeah. the option. It's not it's not like yeah. it's not like there was a lot of options. Sometimes it's like yo, like it's like what else do you have to lose? You know what I mean? Like your back is already against the wall. Like what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. And, and depending on the area that you're living in, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, because because Chicago still ain't an easy place to live in. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine back then. Chicago's been corrupt for like a hundred and fifty years. A <laughs> hundred and something, at least a hundred years. Chicago's been corrupt. It's the Al Capone days. Chicago's been corrupt. You before that, right? And it's never going to change. Um, what was the most powerful moment of the of the movie to you? Like, do you have any like favorite moments or or powerful moments that kind of caught you? I guess I'll start with you, Mambo. No, I'll start with Keo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm trying to think. I'm trying to like, yeah. There's, for there's... me, one of the parts that hit me was uh, when Fred was giving that speech in the church. And the, the FBI agent was in the crowd, and he's watching him. And oh, you couldn't yeah. tell whether mm-hmm. or not, you know, William was taking it in, and he was really on board, or he was just speaking for the crowd. Like, you know, it's that moment of, like, it, which side is he on? Like, that, I, I found that scene fascinating, man. It, it, it really hit me. And, and the thing, you know, the, the big thing at the end, which I don't want to give away a spoiler, but, like, that was definitely a part two. But, like, for, for me, that church thing, was it was just, it was riveting, especially because of what he was saying at the time when all the stuff was going down. You just see the crowd getting into it. You could tell like the stakes were high. Yeah, because that was that was his first speech after he came out of jail. Yeah, yeah. And and first of all, um, the cinematography in that alone, I thought was amazing. To be quite mm-hmm. honest with you, like that was very well shot. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. that was very well shot. Like they they cut they caught William like they caught Bill through the peephole kind of thing. Like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I understand yeah, what you're saying yeah. because that that got me that got me in a sense too, where it's like, cause you, I think at that point, I think he was in, I think he yeah. was in, and that was like the reminder, of, you know, like uh, the, the FBI agents over there waving at him, you know, he just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, back, back, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I got a job to do. You're just like, oh, well, my like, God. yeah, at that moment, I was like, yo, this guy's in it, yo, he's in. That's the thing that the movie kind of like plays with is is mm-hmm. your perception of where is he what's going on in his head is he in is he is he uh like is he messing with is he being the informant or is he being a double agent is he mm-hmm. you know i think yeah and you get the sense that he himself at moments is confused himself mm-hmm. and and isn't actually totally sure of what he should or shouldn't do yeah yeah he's like trying to live in both and he has that moment when he is talking to him um is it Roy, uh, the, the FBI, his FBI handler? Yeah, and he's, you know, he's saying like, no, I mean, they're just, they're just giving, you know, they're just giving school lunches. Like, what's the problem? And the idea that, no, 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 you don't get it, you know, and the the equating the Panthers with, um, like a with the Klan, yeah. and and saying mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, that whole like concept and idea i mean that yeah. was something that kind of like shook me that scene of that and the like framing 
Um, mm-hmm. And thinking like, does this FBI agent believe this? Like, is this what they believed at that time? And mm-hmm. is it, were they, you know, were they afraid for the sake of power or were they afraid to, for the sake of like actual ideology and believing that like they want to destroy the fat? I mean, I guess it's all the same. It's just like mm-hmm. they wanted their, their fear of, you know, change and destroying the, the status quo is really ultimately what's like motivating them. And, uh-huh. and so I don't know that that's the kind of like messes with you the way that it messes with Bill O'Neill's character in that moment mm-hmm. when he's like having his logic and idea of how he sees things being twisted around and you see the agent doing it. And, and I don't know, there's like another level of where you're, you're seeing what the agent's doing to Bill O'Neill but then you're wondering, like, what does the agent believe? And is the agent being manipulated himself by Hoover because of how, like, you know, how much you see the, the reverence towards Hoover? And, yeah. what, like, it's it's just such a, such a mess. I don't know. It was, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. But there's a lot of powerful scenes, I'll say, in, in, in throughout the film. I think I was... Um, constantly kind of like pulled in and pulled in oftentimes by the acting, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, the strength of the strength of the acting, like the characters are so well developed, even though to be honest, like you don't get that much of a sense of, um, Bill O'Neill's past and you don't get the sense of Fred Hampton's real past. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and you only get, you know, let in so much into what his life is really like, mm-hmm. but the way that they're acted and the power with which they act, the characters, you're like, I don't know. You just really kind of become hypnotized by it in a way that was really captivating from beginning to end by both. Like, you know, McKee Stanfield's portrayal of Bill O'Neill and by Daniel Kaluuya's portrayal of Fred Hampton. It's, yeah. Yeah. But what's what's crazy though too is like you, you you're looking back on it because he's at that point where it's it's like yeah cause you know you you like an informant or whatever is gonna come in or a spy is gonna come in and normal that no normal situations you're infiltrating something that's bad you're infiltrating like the a gang or like a you know a drug cartel so it's like yeah you might start feeling like you might be in but ultimately you kind of know that okay what these guys are doing yes they're selling drugs they're you know they're they're assassinating uh, people like they're not doing a good thing. So this is my job to kind of stop it. But that, yeah, yeah. that moral compass that you got to go by where it's like, okay, you're asked to do this job. And it's obviously because it's keeping you out of jail, but then you're going there and, and you're looking at the stuff that's happening and you're like, okay, but this isn't affecting anybody like uh, Hampton and, and, and this, this chapter, what they're doing isn't, it's not destroying anybody. It's not destroying the community. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not harming people. You know what I mean? Like, yo, like we're we're giving kids free lunches and 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 trying to run a medical clinic. You know, we're trying to open a medical yeah. clinic to make sure that you know people are properly being taken care of. You know, we're trying to make sure that that people have some sort of empowerment so that they're not getting stepped on. So it's like coming back to say, like, yeah, these guys are just doing free lunches in schools. Like, what what's you know what I mean? So you, so go ahead. Do Do you think that? him getting together with all these other gangs and groups was the catalyst for them to be like, you've got to go. Cause I think that when the Panthers, uh, that chapter was kind of just on that block 
and they're talking about this thing and doing the schools and all that stuff like that. But the, I think that the second that he got together with the white supremacist guys and the Latino gang and then the other bigger gang in the city, I think that changed a good the way the this thing was going. Because it went from, it, you see, like the, the school thing was, okay, we're trying to help the community, yada, yada. And then they were like, okay, well, we're, you guys are with a gang that's got machine guns and all this other stuff. And I'm pretty sure the white guys got machine guns, too. I'm pretty sure the Latino games got guns, too. too. <laughs> like it, it changed the dynamic from, well, we're trying to help to we're gonna, we could take over if we felt like it. Right, but I, I feel like they were kind of doing that from before. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't feel yeah, like... Yeah, but, like, it's different when all of these little... These groups are isolated and they're in their, their little corner. I you, mean, I think that... I, I hear what together. you're saying, but I I hear what you're saying, and I think that would be true if the case was that um, in other places, the FBI and local police agencies weren't also killing and, and trying to assassinate leaders in different yeah, yeah. places Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. for sure. Like, it wasn't... Sure. So, it's like, it didn't, it didn't help it didn't make them feel more comfortable for sure, but they were, <laughs> yeah. he was already on a list before that. And, you know, like he was, you know, they were targeting him before that. Yeah. But I think that um, before that, it was just throw him in jail. And then after that, it was like, well, he's got to go because he's going to be yeah. a martyr and it's going to be a problem long term. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they made him martyr anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, the thing disappeared. Like after he died, it literally fell apart. And, and that's, well, that's the thing with charismatic leaders, right? Like charismatic leaders and it's all dependent on the person. It's all dependent on that one. I, I look at it like a leader. sports team when you have that all-star player and he gets hurt and there's nobody there to step up after that person. Like it's a wrap. The team's done. Mm-hmm. You need the people in the wings that are ready to keep the thing going the same way or at least be building up to take over. But they didn't... None of these, none of these groups ever had the next person to take over. It was all, it's top heavy. Once that leader was out of the way, the whole thing fell apart. And I think that was a, a big problem with the civil rights thing. Either people were scared to step up, or there was just nobody as talented as the people that were at the top. I, I don't even know what the answer is, but I guess what it feels like. But I wonder, too, if part of it is, too, because it, maybe there were people that were ready to step up, and the way some of these guys got taken out, you know, yeah. it's, it, that, that might have put the fear in some of these guys to be like, well, you know what? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is worth it, you know? like Because, I mean, you got to think, like, earlier in the movie, you know, for example, you know, the, um, the, their office gets blown to bits, right? Yeah. The, the first time, right? And then you see it a second, then, then it happens a second time where they just literally... Like the first time I heard this story in real life, um, mm-hmm. I think it was the, there was a Black Panthers uh, documentary. It was on PBS, probably like maybe a couple of years ago. I want to say like two, three years ago. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that's how Fred Hampton died, right? Where, yeah, where they I, basically, I had no idea I until either. I saw that doc. And I was like, I, like it, it honestly kept me up at night because mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, they, they, they let off one shot. They ran off 100. Like they, they basically came there to kill everybody. You know, yeah. and and there's so much, there's so much different different events and instances in, in in history where you can refer to where this happened, right? Just speaking to this example, like you wonder if you know, like after that happens twice now, you know, like do you want to now be the guy to do this? You just saw what happened to somebody like Fred, 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to step out on the line and stick your neck out? Like, even though you've already made this life decision to make this, to kind of die for this, but when you see it actually happen to this degree and this viciously, yeah. and you don't even know necessarily where it's, well, you know where it's coming from, but it's like, you're you're like a group, a chapter in Chicago. This is the FBI. Are you really going to be able to take out the FBI? So it's like, you and know what I mean? They had, they had the other Panthers that were on the run the dudes from California, all other places, they were already on the run, or they were died, they got killed, or they were in jail. Right. So it looked like this was like mm-hmm. the tail end of this thing. Because you, you, you because that, you know, I, I kind of look at it too, where it's I like, mean, sorry, go ahead, Mambo, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I mean, this is why they were, you know, hijacking planes and and seeking refuge in other countries, going to Cuba, going to Algeria, you know. Uh, landing in in East Africa in some cases. I mean, yeah, it, it, the, the messages were sent. Like the, those assassinations were were messages being sent, and yeah, there was a there was a true like you knew when your number was up. I mean, I remember when I met, I met Lorenzo Camboa. He came to speak when I was in college, and I went and had lunch with him, and we were talking about. He was he was a Panther back in the day, and um, he talked about how like he had a, it was a moment when they knew, you know, they had been fighting and they knew that there was a target on their back, but there became a moment when he knew like, oh, like they're really gonna kill me, like they're really like there's a plan and they're they're coming, and he needed to get out, and you know, like they're gonna they're under and like under the pretense of being arrested, and so. He went, you know, and back in the day, this is before, you know, proper security at airports, but he went, got on that airplane, you know, him and a couple other Panthers pulled out a gun and they're like, we're not going to Miami, we're, we're going to Cuba. Uh-huh. And, and he said it was just like doing that was an act of survival. It wasn't an act of like terrorism. Right. It was an act of like, I need to act, I cannot like, if I, and part of it, like I want to continue a struggle and all this kind of stuff, and and there's just that's not going to happen here. Yeah, absolutely. Because because that's the thing, right? Like to carry out that task, but then to actually see it blow up in your face. Because you know you're planning these things out. There's a worst case scenario, but when that worst case scenario shows up in your face, it's like that that quote that um that Mike Tyson says, like, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth, right? Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. But it's like, when mm-hmm. you get that right in your face, you know what I mean? Like, that that the worst-case scenario just kind of appear right in front of you. I Like, you don't blame guys that go on the run, like an Eldridge Cleaver and stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, like, that mm-hmm. left the country and, and, and all that stuff. Like, you you understand that. Like, you get that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and like, that was, a, a, yeah. a like, a, I think a really serious moment in that movie when they're, when they're talking about, well... You know, where Hoover is saying, well, you know what happened with Huey P and what happened with uh, with Cleaver? They, we sent those guys mm-hmm. to jail and they became stars. They basically be, they became more powerful. So it's yeah. like, so basically it's like, you know what you kind of have to do in this situation. And it's like, God, like, damn, you know, like, <laughs> so it's like, you knew like the example was happening, but it's like on that other side, it's like, what do you like? What do you do? Like, it's. It's it's such a courageous point to for these guys to live that kind of life, you know, for us essentially, because we're we were the future generation from that. But it's such a tough decision, man. So it's like when people are like, you know, they, you know, in these day, this day and age now, when you're 
asked to make that kind of life choice now and it's like some people don't you know decide to come off that ledge and some people get ridiculed for it i'm, I'm kind of like sometimes i'm like yeah i understand too because yeah, that man. that's not an easy decision to make yeah you know i, I think mm-hmm. i think the other powerful mm-hmm. moment for me just to add to what you guys are saying was um you know was hampton's girl like uh deborah johnson like trying to convince fred mm-hmm. that there's more to this revolution than just sacrificing and kind of giving up your life for the revolution you know what i mean just because of the fact that they were having mm-hmm. a child yeah yeah it, you know like that I, that i thought was kind of powerful because it just you know thinking from the perspective of like of women just like with the women of the, the you know the wives and the and the girlfriends of these leaders they got to be so unbelievably strong because you're being a wife a mother to a child or children then you have that added pressure of that comes along with thinking of like something is going to happen to your to your husband or mm-hmm. you know for somebody like her who just to see you know like we were saying before like how history is played out in terms of just that past decades assassinations with our black leaders and heroes like yeah, yeah. like that's a tremendous amount of pressure to live through and to be having to have that kind of pressure again you know we refer to the age but like to have that kind of pressure on you at 20 you know what i mean or 19 or whatever it is mm-hmm. like like from in terms of deborah johnson's perspective like that is a heavy cross to bear man you know what i mean so it's like I, that that moment was kind of powerful powerful for me too because you're just thinking of like coretta king betty shabazz you're thinking of all these people that like all these women that like had to like just basically go on without their partner you know because of, of the way they've they got just like completely assassinated the ripple effects of that it's like it, it ran through their family for generations you know in some cases yeah. so it's like that that is such a tremendous yeah. amount of pressure I guess kind of to wrap up here because we're going to have like a super long pod on this, but um, what I guess kind of like, what are your final thoughts of the movie? Because like, I, I know one of the questions I, I wanted to ask and I'm almost afraid if you, to ask the question to see if you guys <laughs> want to answer this, but like, I think I kind of asked it before in a roundabout way, but like why historically are they, are they so threatened by us in, in this sense? I don't even know if you want to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you asked like, that's like a really like loaded, wide, wide ranging question. Calvin. <laughs> like, why? Calvin's like, why is racism a thing? <laughs> why is racism? <laughs> but I, but I guess what are your final thoughts on just I guess you know in a small sense that and then just in a small sense about the movie overall like what are your I guess what are your your final thoughts to kind of like wrap this up a little bit? Who you wants to go first? I mean, yeah, I mean, I I think um, not enough people will see it, um, and that's like just a sad thing of like movies like this that have that historical importance it feels like never do enough people watch it and see it but um i think that it was phenomenal i think it's a phenomenal story it's a well-told like tightly packaged story um they're not trying to do too much when they tell this story which i think is often um when you have somebody who's like larger than life the temptation is to do too much and I think I fully appreciate that what they did was so kind of like targeted um, in what they wanted to talk about and cover. But, um, and part of that as well is just the fact that like when you have somebody who is assassinated and killed at such a young age, there, there actually isn't even enough um, 
material to like, you know, build. But they could have done so much more and they didn't. They kept it in like this tight space that I think for as a film really works well and, and helps kind of like digest the story. I think that I look forward to seeing one of one of them and I, I if I had to pick one I'd say Lakeith like winning that award for um the best supporting actor because the acting is absolutely phenomenal mm. um and, and super powerful and with such like complex characters as well. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a, a interesting story and I hope people, you know, take the the message the organization and working together message from the movie. I, I, going back to what you're saying is I think that people, the powers that be, you know, I think they fear people getting organized. And it's, regardless of the race, regardless of, you know, uh, economic status or whatever, it, it's just like people working together or at least having a, a common issue that they're working on i think that's that's the that's the greatest fear and depending on where these guys are going or what they were thinking about i i think that that's that's one of the issues that that people need to realize is that we're we're better and stronger together united yeah and we can get a lot more done in our community to united like just a simple thing about feeding the kids in school like why are more people not putting that kind of stuff together. These guys can raise millions of dollars for, you know, <laughs> a hashtag, but you guys can't figure out a way to just feed some kids at the school or something like that. Like that, that blows my mind. But mm-hmm. you know, I think that it it gets it gets back down to the point of we need to be organized and organized over the right things, and we're not. We're disjointed and we're out and and focusing on stuff that doesn't matter or just you know, missing the big picture. I think that's, that's a huge problem. And this, I think it, this movie kind of shows that you don't need a huge organization or a bank behind you. It's a couple people in the community getting together and doing something that has an impact, like wide ranging impact. And that's what happened here. Uh, you can argue for the good or the bad based on what they're trying to do, but you can't deny that these guys had an impact on the community. Yeah, that's the takeaway I took. Yeah, I, I think just, I mean, I had a few things. I, I think just like, you know, to kind of, I guess, uh, touch on what I was saying before, I just think it's scary of just the things that's happened to, to us as black people for so many hundreds of years. The amount of leaders that either were imprisoned or assassinated or had to flee the country, you know, as Mamba was talking about before, is unbelievable. And it's something that's still kind of being felt today. And the thing that that, that kind of resonates with me, too, is the fact that, you know, looking at this movie and, and, you know, kind of replaying history, it's this really didn't happen that long ago. It's not like this happened like 100 years ago. You know, like this yeah. happened like like Hampton died with like early 70s. Like yeah. this was like I don't even know if this was even 50 years ago. And, and it's and it's crazy because like there's just. You see it in so many factions of life. Like it's it's 2021, right? And you're still hearing about like so many firsts that are still being had today. Like, you know, for example, I think this past week that the first black mayor of Boston was recently announced, and you know, she's a woman. 
you know, or or you're thinking about like the introduction of of reparations in in a town of of Evanston, Illinois. They're like it's 2021. We're still having to go through first. Like it kind of shows you just how far we still have to go to achieve like all the things that we need to achieve. So, uh, you know, like I guess to answer my own question, it's like. Yeah, I thought the movie could have been better. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think we need to see more of these kind of movies overall, you know? Um, yeah. And it makes me think of, like, the first time I think I had you guys both on a podcast together, like, a few years ago. I believe it was, it might have, like, just looking back on it, I think it was um, the Black Panther movie that came out, what, that was, like, three years ago now. Wow, that's crazy. Man, that was three years ago. Holy smokes. But, like... We're talking about how there just needs to be more representation. A few years ago, like, you know, as we were talking about, like, the Oscars So White, for example, and you're still seeing incremental progress. Uh, I know it's probably too late to get into this now, but there was um, an article. um, I'm just going to pull it up real quick. But it was just talking about how, um, like, Hollywood is still losing, like, they're basically costing themselves, like, billions of dollars every year in terms of not, let me actually let me rephrase it. Hold on a second. I'm trying to pull it up. So just to report, the article was from Forbes, and it was saying that Hollywood loses about ten billion dollars a year over a lack of black representation. Like, so it's kind of telling you, like, this is actually costing them money. <laughs> think about in the '90s, how many black movies were out there by black directors with black cast. We had a ton of yeah. movies. We don't worry. We weren't worried about the Oscars. We weren't thinking about that. We just got good quality content made by us for us and in tv shows too yeah and it just all died <laughs> yeah. and, you know you can get to the reasons but you know it's a lot of greed and people stabbing each other back or kicking the ladder from when they got on top but there was a good time during the 90s where there's a black movie coming out like every other weekend with the soundtrack full of music and everybody was eating everybody was working together I agree. And, and that's to me, it's like, you know, I, I think you're, you're I have a feeling like you're going to see more of these, you know, more movies, I should say, more black movies or more black content shown in the theaters just in light of what's what's happened in the last year and how sharp that light of social justice has shone the light on all facets of life. And, and it made yeah. like other races, corporations and industries like start to see what we've always seen, that th- there's still so much work to be done in a lot of areas pertaining to us, especially when it pertains to talent, like even such as the both of you, you know what I mean? So like, I, I, like, I think this movie was so well done, but it just need, there needs to be more movies like this. We need to see more mm. Judas's of the black Messiahs and have more of these conversations on these kind of like thought provoking movies or, you know, yeah. these movies that's, that's, you know, retracing history. I will say this though. I do want to see more movies like this, but I also want to see like happy, fun, not the end of the world type movies where I gotta be like, "Damn it, white people, man!" Like, just- no, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm not. I'm, I hope I'm not. When I said that, I'm not pretending to. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I got like you, this. man. Yeah, I got yeah, you, man. Right. But I'm saying like we need that because we had we were getting like the wood and all this other type of movies in addition mm. to Boys in the Hood, in addition to Master of Society and Dead Prez. We're getting all this other content. There was a wide and variety. It, yeah. it was it's well rounded. So we had we had black people being comedians. We had black people doing drama, action movies. Like you name it, we were doing it, and we covered the gambit. And it weren't limited to because I I equate a lot of this stuff to like uh, it's it's almost like porn or misery, 
like black black people misery porn kind of thing where like I, I can't watch another slavery movie. Like I just I'm not gonna do it. I don't I right. I know it was bad and everything like that, but like there's other things that we did, man. <laughs> black people got more history and just more stuff that happened besides slavery. Yeah. And where I feel like Absolutely. Hollywood too focused on that time frame. Yeah. Like I I want like you know, like we had that movie with the what's the the hidden What's the, the the ladies that were the the hidden, hidden figures? Yeah, the hidden figures. Like I mean, I want more of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like this, like a a quality, lighthearted mm-hmm. movie, and you you could you put your message in there too. But like it was just a good a good movie of black people doing good, something positive too. We need that. Yeah, and it's just like it seems that 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 negativity porn type thing is just it's too much. Like anytime I, I mean, see I a black say, movie, I it's that... negative. I will say that I think that there is a lot of what you're talking about is out there. Like it exists, like the way that movies were in the nineties, I'd, I'd actually argue that there's even more and it's been more democratized. Uh, I think the issue is that, whereas, you know, at that time, the way that you found out about movies and you heard about them was like, it was like a, there were spaces where like it was contained and there was a clear path to making a black movie. There was a clear yeah. path to, where you would hear, you know, the, the bigger picture movies. Um, and nowadays it's just like, if you want to, you can see there's so many independent yeah. movies out there, like really but, but high quality, think... great black cinema that's being made. But like yeah. the economics aren't there. It's not going to get the distribution deal that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And because the VHS kind of like market isn't there and there's way more competition, that like ironically, the, the there's like more movies now being made, and the issue is that it, I, I, I'm actually maybe asking the question more: is it that there's is it is that that there's like so many that there's so much competition that there's no like clear way of where they it rises up to a well, certain level where everybody's watching everybody's watching Friday because when Friday comes out, everybody yeah yeah at, mm-hmm. or everybody's watching The Wood because that's like the movie next like. I don't know. I think that I, in my neighborhood, right downstairs, like right near my building, there's um, there's a, a, a cinema. Like there's a couple in like in mm-hmm. short walking distance of me that are like independent black cinemas, and they have film festivals where they play. You know, they'll have like an African film festival where they're just like pumping out and showing all these like African films that are happening. And there's so much content, and then there's like black film festivals on a specific genre, like black sports films that are happening and they, mm-hmm. they have like a large number of co- a large amount of content. So I don't know. I think it's more like it's so diffused now. Yeah. That it's harder to rise above and the movies that do rise above are the movies that have the economics behind them. Well, and the I think that is going to, yeah, they got the backing, they got film. the backing of the Hollywood and this is the type of movies they like. So they, they push those. Cause I, I think too, exactly. you're you, right. You didn't need that back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Cause that. we, we promoted that. ourselves and now we're waiting exactly. on Amazon to do it for us. And I think that yeah. that's the, the difference between now and then, especially for the nineties was that we would take it upon ourselves to put the soundtrack together to promote it. And we had our own places to promote. Like we had the source and vibe and these kind of magazines and you had the TV shows on BT and yeah. we were all focused on these areas. But now 
It's super spread out. And I think we're waiting for Amazon to tell us, hey, this is a black movie for you guys. Here you go. Or mm-hmm. Netflix mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I think that you're right. It's definitely that this stuff is happening. But I don't think that people really see it unless it's, it's being handed oh, to us on a platter from somebody else. Like it's funny, or you're going to film festivals, or you have a video, you have a Vimeo yeah. Pro subscription, and you're willing to like, <laughs> on top of your Vimeo Pro subscription, spend you know fifteen dollars to support mm-hmm. an independent film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing, though. People don't know about this stuff at all. No. Like, if you ask your your friends that aren't in the industry, hey, do you do you see this other black movie? And they're like, is it on Amazon? Nope. Well, nope. I'm not going to watch it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's the thing of. People don't want to donate to something unless it's it's uh, approved Hello. by the by the masses, by I the guess. Masses. Or, or are you being told to watch? Be. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense, and, and plus in this in this era too, where you know there there there's a race. There's definitely like a a, a race for content, right? Because there's yeah. so many different streaming platform services, channels. Um, there's just, there, there's a race for content. So I agree in some senses where there. Sometimes you'll pop up on Netflix, and I'm like, "God damn! I didn't know there was this much black movies. Where did all these movies come from? Like, you don't yeah, hear, yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. hear about it at Netflix all. Will, Netflix will buy them up and then bury them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, and yeah. bring them up and bring them, and then they'll just promote it like lightly promote it during. Black <laughs> yeah, so worry. <laughs> black, black like, oh, by the way, we had these yeah. thirty movies that we put out. Yeah, <laughs> thirty. Like we here, here are these like, like. 2,000 movies that we have that are just sitting here. They've been here for the last year. You just haven't known because we haven't promoted mm-hmm. them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what was that there? The, like, filmmakers, the filmmakers are out on Twitter trying to get people to watch their films. Like, I have, like, a list of, oh, mm-hmm. like, filmmakers or people in the industry that I follow that you're like, they're like, oh, you know, watch, I, this, this, this is available now on, 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 um, on Netflix, and this is available on Prime, and you just like you write it down, you make a note of it, and mm-hmm. put it in your you, list. You gotta, put like, it on your list, and well, then it's like yeah, six months go by, and you haven't but watched like, a movie. Where, yep. I think that's a failure yeah, on our part. But I think that's a failure on our part because we weren't dependent on MTV, whatever, or even BET. If if I want to tell you about a song, I used to go out of my way to let you know about this song. And if you liked it, you would tell your friends about it. We weren't waiting for somebody to give it to us or somebody to tell right. us. Right, but Keo, back then, right, when you think of, like, if you go back 20, 30 years ago... Yeah, um, we didn't have this stuff. How many movies, how many how many songs were being made? Right now, like, I... I all oh, I it's is insane. A, I just need a computer mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, a, a MIDI keyboard, and mm-hmm. I can make an album. And, like, the yeah, fact yeah. that that's even possible... And not even that it's possible, that it's happening. means, like, there's just so much content out there right now. There are so many black movies that are out there right now that that it's just not possible for them to write. There are so many podcasts. Like, back in the day, there Mm -hmm. were, That's true. Yeah. 15 years ago, you're like, oh, 20 years ago, they're like, oh, yeah, there's, oh, yeah, I know a podcast. There's four of them. That exist, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll listen to one of the four podcasts that are out there. And now there's like you know, four million, millions of podcasts. tens of hundreds of thousands of them, millions of them. I mean, yeah. it's just it's a gl- there's just so much out there. And what ends up happening is that there's just so many amazing movies that we'll just never see because I'll never even I'll never even know about it. Mm-hmm. It's like and so it's like it's great. There's more being made, 
and it's getting more boutique and people can like find their audience and their niche. But like at the same time, there's not the same connectivity where there's a community sense of everybody watching the same thing. Everybody's listening to this, that show. Everybody's, you know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. There's not, there was a focus. So change, like people change, used to know change. like every month, go to the Source Magazine or at least look at it. And we we yeah. all had a central place to, a central focal point that everybody could go talk yeah. about or meet at. And we don't have that now. It's just, it's just, exactly. it's the wild west. You know, and the things that float up are the things that make money. So, like, yeah. when you think of music, the things that float up are not necessarily the best tracks. It's the pa- tracks that are going to, like, get the most, you mm-hmm. know, that are well, people that are well-connected and people that are going to, like, make the most money. Yeah. And that's, oh, for the, sure. like, you know, the art, the art form is, yeah. You know what it reminds money. me of, though, actually? Um, money. You know, what, you, know what, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of, actually? Because... As you guys are talking, it reminds me of, uh, I think it was Cineplex Odeon, especially in the light of what happened with um, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. <laughs> All of a sudden, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw this, but you, I'm sure you, I'm, I know you're in you're in New York, but I'm sure you saw this too, Baba. But they put out a link on, um, because obviously the lockdown, all the theaters are closed. They put this link out for... I think you had 30 days to watch as much black movies as you wanted. And it was like a whole, <laughs> it was like two, three years worth of movies. And I'm like, good Lord. Like I didn't, I didn't even get a chance to finish watching all of them. Like it ended up, it ended up mm-hmm. expiring before I had a chance to like get through like half of them. But, mm-hmm. but that's, I think that's actually, that's how I saw the photograph with, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, 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 uh, with Lakeith and Anissa uh, Ray. And that's how I saw that movie. But it was mm-hmm. just, it was just like, yeah, like, it's like it got promoted because of what was happening during that period in time. And then it's like once that died down, it's like, okay, it's gone again. Like the theaters aren't really still open, but it's like, okay, where's that push for that, you know, black content, those those movies. But like I said, again, referring to that Forbes article, it's it's a it's it's a ten billion dollar loss that Hollywood is taking almost on an annual basis on just from a lack of black representation. So it's mm-hmm. like so we're talking about these thousands of movies and different things, and I'm I'm definitely not disputing that. I agree with you because I'm seeing some of those things on my Netflix and Prime Prime apps and stuff. But it's like at the same time, it's like okay, why aren't these things being promoted? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like it's like yeah. there's there's, there's um, promotion costs money, man. Yeah, there's there's a disconnect there, but there's there's a strong disconnect there. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a strong, yeah. There's a yeah. strong I mean, like yeah, but um. It's definitely not for a lack of content. That's all I, I'll, I'll say. Like, I, I definitely don't think like the, the, mm-hmm. the stuff is there, man. But yeah, the promotion is, it's hard. It's hard. I, I, every year I go to the, you know, there's the African American Film Festival. Um, mm-hmm. Down in, in Miami is like, you know, there's incredible. Like the amount of content that they have. Every year I go to the National Association of Black Journalists. There's all the movies that they have that are premiering and, and um, movies that you've never, you know, movies and TV shows that you're like, where, where is this? I have not heard of this. Yeah. Um, so how do we fix and, it? Yeah. How, how do we fix it? Like, what, what do we do to get, let people know about this stuff? Like, what do we need to do? I mean, I think it's like nowadays, I think the industry is just changing to be more targeted. Right. So like, more the idea I don't think and now isn't like the same as it was before. It's like, I want to make this thing and I want like everybody in the community to see it. It's like your communities are tighter, right? So now it's not 
just like I'm making a black movie. It's like I'm making a movie for black women who are, are from the South. And so I'm going to make a movie that's really going to connect with them and you're targeting that audience and, and you're getting promoted in those kind of spaces. Because there's just so many movies now yeah. that I think it's about that. The same way that podcasts are, right? Like podcasts are like more hyper-targeted, mm-hmm. you know, than radio shows ever were. Radio shows were like, you know, oh, we're making this radio show. It gets syndicated nationally, you know. Mm-hmm. Tens of millions of people are going to listen to it. And if you don't like it, well... You, you're listening to the radio station, so you're going <laughs> to listen to it anyways. Like, this is going to be on from now, before, you know, regardless. I have to be, yeah, right now, you have to be active. You're an active participant in the process of the, of the material you're going to consume. You're not just turning the TV on and watching what's on. You're not just, like, turning the radio on and listening to what's there. You go to your app. You look for a podcast. You try to find something that you connect with and you, like, have, you know, like, that has some meaning for you you then have to click download to listen to it and take the time when you feel you have the time to listen to it. The same with movies. You have to scroll through and find something that you want to watch, not whatever they tell you to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So so that act of doing that means that the marketing is completely different. Yeah. And the marketing is smaller. The marketing is more targeted. Um, Yeah. The whole industry is so different. So 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 different. Well, I and what think it that, does is it's just like it's more, we're all more disconnected. Yeah, it it yeah, having the options has made people be more spaced out than ever before. I mean, really think about it. And then and then things float up. Like the great content that everybody connects with floats up, like coming to America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like it's that movie that like everybody's mad about it. But at the same time, everybody saw it. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it was it was a win for Eddie Murphy oh, no, and a win for Amazon. They, they won all oh, day. My God. Absolute win, and, and 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 I swear it was you that was saying to me, Q, that they they might be doing a third. Yeah, they are doing a third. Uh, one. Uh, <laughs> Just how much money they got? How many views they got and eyes on it? I think it was worth it to make another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Calvin can't wait. Calvin can't wait. <laughs> Uh, I got my alerts ready. What 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 a way to give a rim shot to the to the end of this podcast. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Andrew. That was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, well, thank you for for hopping on this uh, this latest episode of our podcast, man. I, I appreciate the both of you for coming on. Every time I have the two of you guys at the same time, it's always a good conversation. So, um, you know, hopefully, I have to continue that trend in the future you know hopefully sooner than later um i know mambo's been a really long time for you but uh <laughs> but you know I'm, I'm i'm really happy to have you back on and that was that was uh like i said it was, it was fun to have um I- i'll allow you guys for the next i don't know 10 20 seconds however long it takes you guys can plug whatever the hell you guys want to plug um if you want to do that um but thank you guys once again but hurry up Plug it, plug it, plug whatever, whatever you guys want to plug. <laughs> nah, man, I'm good. Just, yo, I appreciate being on here. Thank, thank you for having me back, man. No, All no, good. no problem. But I'm gonna force you, Keo, because you, you have a, you have a YouTube page. Plug your shit. <laughs> yo, my, my, my YouTube for DJs, man. Like, uh, it's not normal YouTube page. It's definitely for DJs. So, but oh. it, it's just, just DJ Keo. That's it. Just K E O. Okay. 
And what about you, Mamba? I know you just, I know you can't shed light on your stuff just yet because you're wrapping up stuff, but. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, we're, we're finishing up a, um, a season that's going to be coming out, um, on the show I work on is called Invisibilia. And we have a season coming out that's going to launch April 22nd. April 22nd, we're going to have, uh, five episodes coming out, one, one every week. Um, and, the first one is, is going to be actually on Mac and say this. It's like, well, I don't think I can say, I don't know, but <laughs> April 22nd, we're going to be launching uh, a new season of invisibilia. And I'm excited because I'm probably, you know, I've been a fan of the show for years, so I'm happy to, to join and look forward to like, you know, uh, doing some more stories in the future. No, for sure. You know, I, I know we joke back and forth, but keep doing what you're doing. Same with you, Keo. I, you know, we always talk, but like, you guys keep doing what you you're doing, man. And we just, you know, we keep pushing this stuff forward. So, um, so I, so I, you know, I'll definitely be looking out for this uh, for your new, you know, your new series at the um, at the end of April for sure. So, um, but like I said, but thank you guys once again for for hopping on, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Keo. It was a pleasure. Yeah, Calvin. Yeah. thank you for tuning into the latest episode of the AF podcast special shout out goes out to Andrew Mambo and DJ Keo for hopping on the AF to have a conversation about Judas and the Black Messiah Uh, we'll be back with a new episode on Easter Friday uh, with the annual State of the Raptors address where we look at the Raptors season as a whole and this season may be the first time in like eight years where they may actually miss the playoffs altogether. I've never done one of these where the Raptors were struggling this badly. Um, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, listen, rate, review, and subscribe to all of the shows from South Shore Ave. And to check out my catalog of past podcast episodes, uh, check out SouthShoreAve.com and double up on them, especially during the Easter break. Uh, once again, that's SouthShoreAve.com. For Andrew Bombo and DJ Keo, this is Cal C. And you just tuned into the Av Podcast on South Shore Av Radio. Until next time, folks, peace. We out.